Barrio Alto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's good. Oh, summer's over. You could, you could uh, handle it for an hour. Yeah, and then it's if I you take it off, it off. I know, but then if I take it off, my shirt is bright. Yeah. So people that watch are going to be like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. The full changer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the summer's over now. We had our last week last week. We did. It's a weird sentence. Yeah. Last week, last week. Last week, last week. Yeah. Oh, so it's over. Um, as you stated when we talked about it earlier, time is both fast and slow. Yep. Because at the summer, it seems like it's going to be such a long grind of off season. And then next thing you know, we got guys flying out to their teams, kids leaving, AAA season starting up, et cetera. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the summer, Coach Andy? Well, it was great. It was busy as hell. Yeah, it was busy but, as hell. But that going with your time is fast and slow. It's, uh, you know, you, you go into the training season, right? You, you know, I can't believe, I can't believe, like it goes fast, but you look at it when it's over, you go, oh my God, we got like four or five months here to to train. Like I'm looking at a player's perspective and, and next thing you know, you've only got a couple of weeks left. So, left. so are you sitting there going, did I do everything I could? Because mm-hmm. it's easy to take, like, it's interesting to watch different guys do different things right yep. and what do you squeeze in like it's, it's not necessarily shows how serious you are but it shows how organized you are in a sense so you'll see guys that do you know they don't they don't plan out their weekends they don't plan out their times of time off because you start thinking okay like because what happens is you get in the grind and you go two three weeks pretty hard let's say where you're training and you're whatever and and you can think after two weeks of going hard that you need a, you know, I just, yeah, I need a break. And then it's okay. So there's one weekend that you blow. And then if you don't have it really planned out, you could not maximize your training at all. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I find is like, if everyone's to look at their schedule and say, okay, did I do everything I could? Did I take advantage of it? Some, yeah, for sure. And some, uh, you know what? I could have did a little bit more. It's even like the eating, right? It's like, I was, yeah, I was, was yeah. going to bring that up. It's, yeah. Cause that's the, the easiest tell for me is body composition. That's why I love that we do that because you can't hide, right? So I can see it's like if you're floating around the same for four weeks, then I know that you're not because it's not the training, right? You're getting the training. Like it's like you you talked about in a previous episode about how everybody does the baseline. Like everyone shows up for their workout and their skate, and then so you're here for three four hours and then you're gone. And I don't know what you do for the rest of your day, but I can tell a little bit when you do your weigh-in and you do your body fat, right? And that's the, that's the hard part. That's where you can get caught up because it's easy to not give a rip when the boys ask, hey, let's go let's go eat somewhere, or let's have a few beers or whatever it is. So that's what where I, I can tell for sure. But yeah. So, that, yeah, you just look at the summer and you go, did you do everything you could? Did you do too much? Like all that kind of stuff, right? So anyways, it's, it's a tough balance because there's a lot of things that you have to take care of as a player. You got to train, you got to work out, you got to got to skate, you got to do your yoga, whatever it is that you need to do to make your life better. So doing a little bit of extra was not going to hurt you. Got to make sure you do enough. And then from our perspective as uh, as trainers, wow, you look at that seven weeks and you go, wow, this is like you look at seven weeks and the long days that you put in. Those first two weeks, you're just like, oh, this is going to be a long haul again. And every every summer, every summer, it's like, oh, my God, we're not even halfway through. And you're exhausted. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, time just goes by really, really, really quick. And the next yeah. thing you know, we'll be in games and 
everybody to be happy again playing hockey. Mm-hmm. So. The, the interesting thing about this summer that was different for me is all of our junior guys are getting older now. So we have so many guys that are just kind of scattered everywhere. All so, over the globe. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching those kids. Oh, yeah. And keeping track of, you know, where they're at and how they're doing, whether it's uh, some NCAA guys or um, not even the OHL guys anymore, just like the guys that are going to BC or the Manitoba League or wherever they're going. It's like um, I'll be interested to watch um, how those guys pan out now that they're up. They're getting close to, like, their um, commitment years for scholarship and whatever. So that'll be cool. And then we made some connections with more school guys this summer. So it'd be nice to watch some of those guys um, as that starts to broaden out. And then some of our younger kids, like the out of town kids, like that would be cool to run into those guys or keep an eye on those guys or see them again. Um, whether it's some of those kids from Michigan that were coming around or some of the kids up the 401 for, that are playing in the Alliance loop or, or in Toronto. So yeah, I'm going to be connecting with a lot of them on, uh, on my road trips. Yeah. That's awesome for uh, yeah. do some training up there. So, yeah. So it's that that's kind of the new element that we haven't had before. And it's funny you think because for people that have been listening for a couple of years, it's like that was never part of the commentary. But you can see how time goes on and like things develop. Now we have like some connections with people that are across Ontario through Michigan. Not as many across North America, but enough to be worth mentioning. And then with our junior guys that are just scattered everywhere, they're all getting older now. So you're going to start to see some of you guys that listen, will start to see some of their names pop up in other places now because we always hit on like like we talk about kids that are in the ohl that we train and stuff because um there's a they're the easiest to talk about because people know would know them maybe already but some of these other guys like clark is a good example that got drafted tampa bay nobody knew him before and now it's like he's going to st cloud to play division one so there's a name that'll pop up or jeff that's playing at rit or these kind of guys right so um so that that was cool. Hey guys, my name is David. For the last roughly year or so, I've been a member of the PowerTech podcast and I've trusted Eric and Andy to help me as a hockey dad, raising my kids and trying to figure out the answers. I don't have all the answers and it's a great source of information and it's a, an area where I feel comfortable leaning on to help me make better decisions. With that said, one thing I do know about is supplements. I find it's hard to navigate the whole supplement world and make sure that you're using products that work, that are effective, and again, are science research-based. Blue Star products, incredible brand. The products are based on research, science, the products work, trademark patent ingredients, and you can find all of the research just by scanning QR codes that are right on the back of the product. Thank you to Eric and Andy for their podcast. I think it's amazing, and definitely give Blue Star products a try. Um, we're going to do a Q and a episode today. So I took 10 questions of the questions we got because there's too many questions, so I can't do all of them, but I'm doing as many as I can. So I always prioritize, um, first of all, questions that are on topic. So this was about like the coaching series. So I try to take questions that are mostly about the coach stuff because people are always asking questions about like their personal situations, whatever, but I try to keep it. So we have some different, um, because people ask a lot of the same questions. So these are mostly to do with the coaching series that we just finished. So these are from people that are members online. So I want to talk about the memberships again for a second, because we haven't done that for a while. If you are interested in doing that, the or like joining us to be a member, this is one of the things you get is when we do Q&A stuff, we answer your questions on the podcast, which is cool. Um, then we have like discount stuff on our store, if you like merch and stuff. But And then we have the videos that are on the website, like skill training, um, 
stuff on ice that videos that you did back in the day back in the day you see actually one of the videos one of the guys uh found a clip of it on youtube with charlie when he was just a little guy yeah because it was like 20 whatever 2016 or 2017 yeah um so charlie's just a little dude still which is funny yeah um but anyways beyond that i think the most important thing for me or the thing that i like best is that people can actually talk to us so we have consultation calls with members all the time so people that are members like we have them you don't obviously hear them or see them but people will write in that are members and we book those and talk about all kinds of stuff that are like personal to you and because the hockey season's starting in the next few weeks this is a good time to do it. it's probably the best time to do it because we'll be with you through the start of the season or tryouts if that hasn't happened yet dealing with your coach stuff right off the hop and that's whether you're a coach or a parent or for the kid right and kids don't know as much but you even had one the other day yeah or yesterday yesterday with, yeah. with uh, a young kid so yeah. it's it's good yeah. to have 15 the 15 year old yeah it's good from to have nova scotia oh nova scotia cool. nova scotia i didn't know that the goal of uh basically asking you know describe the type of player he is and um like the process of getting to the drafted to the qhl qmjhl yeah, yeah. that's so, cool yeah it was so good. so my point being this is the probably the best time to do it if you're going to do it because then we're we could be with you the whole season so you'll have a resource which is nice because it's always a few months in and you probably remember from coaching where like everything's good for the first month or whatever but then the conflict starts to creep in you know so if you can be like a little bit prepared with some tools that we talk about and and then you can get it specific to your situation which is what makes it best because people will people email me questions or they write in dms or whatever and it's like it's hard to I always say in my answers, whenever I give anyone a written response, it's like, I always say like, it's hard to give appropriate advice when I don't know you or don't know the situation. So all I can do is give you the general things that you, if you don't know, maybe you should know, but I'll give you general things that oftentimes people find really helpful, but it can be way more curated to you if we actually can have a conversation. So, so for me anyways, I just wanted to plug that quick because I think it's a good time to do it. Um, so you get like the cool little shit, but then it's like you can actually talk and it can be if it's something that's more appropriate for you to talk about, you'll talk. If it's something more appropriate for me, then I'll talk with you or whatever. Um, and then you can work through problems together and you have a resource when you're not sure. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that or do you want to just start the questions? Um, no, I'm good. good. Yeah, cool. So um, some of the some of the questions are kind of long, but I'm going to read them because I think they're good. So uh, first one, this was the first question we got when I sent it out several weeks ago. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave the names out. Uh, first off, I want to say that I'm obsessed with your podcast. Sweet. Thank you both, uh, Andy and Eric, for doing what you guys do. Just to give a little background, I currently coach my son's U12 travel team over here in Michigan. I played at the junior level back in the early 2000s, so I have a pretty decent knowledge of the game. However, the game has changed a bit since I played. In the next couple of years, I don't want to be the coach that I don't want to be that coach Eric had as a kid where he politely bows out because the level of the game surpasses my knowledge, or should I say coaching ability. I was that dad that started coaching because he didn't think the coaching available at the time through our hockey association was very good. Today, I find myself coaching because I absolutely love it and would do it even if my son never wanted to play another day of hockey again. With all that being said, here's my first question. What is the best way to continue my hockey education? And grow as a coach so i'm confident in coaching older kids at higher levels and i can grow with the team i've coached since u8 so boiling that down um i'm coaching basically i'm coaching young travel team 
How can I continue to grow as a coach and develop to coach that same team as they get to higher levels, et cetera. So I'm assuming he has some kind of, sounds like there's a hint of aspiration to coach higher levels, possibly. So um, you can take that one to start. Yeah, that's um, it's a loaded question. Um, I, I think I think you know obviously watching hockey gives you an idea, but the thing is, is that you don't have to complicate it too much. I like one of the questions says he doesn't want the game has changed, and I don't want the game to surpass me is what he said. You know, basically, right? And I, I don't think it will, um, because the game has changed, but it's, it's stayed the same as well. Like there's there's little things that have changed. Like like if you look at the game, yeah, there's. Uh, just you know going back from when I played it was there was a red line so two line passes and it was a different style of game it was we, we, we would say it's a little bit quicker now I would say that there's in the when you get to hitting and stuff like the body contact is sometimes less sometimes sometimes it's not um, but I think the the nuts and bolts of the game are, are pretty much the same and then I wouldn't get too caught up in the change of the game too much because it's still very simple you know I had a good uh, conversation with my son just the other day. I was uh, listening to Brad May on a podcast. I listen to the pod, uh, a podcast every now and then. And Brad May was a pretty good, similar to my son, plays a pretty rough game, um, played um, pretty tough, like getting some scraps and all that kind of stuff. So when he was in the NHL, he went to his coach, Ted Nolan. Ted Nolan, uh, he said, you know, he felt like Brad May thought he was a little in a little bit of a funk and he just asked him how to how to fix it. And he said, stop thinking. Okay, so what does that mean? He goes, and he simplified it. He said, you're a left winger, play left wing. Well, what does that mean? He said, skate, shoot, hit. <laughs> Don't think. Like, because when you start getting all worried about positions and all these different things, you, you when you think, you're not free, right? And um, then you tighten up and, and, and your brain is slowing you down a little bit. So so it goes back to what I was saying uh, for a coach is if you could take players and, and give them individual coaching and you're telling them, you know, to keep it simple, do three, four things to keep your game simple and everything comes from there. And I would say it's the same thing from a team. It's like, don't overthink because what, what happens is if you, if you try to complicate the game, which it's not that complicated to be quite honest with you, um, you know, like, Yes, your D zones and your offensive zones and power plays can, can get pretty int in, what's the, intricate, um, but it doesn't have to be for 12-year-olds. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the basics. So we did that one on, you know, we, we drew some out on the pads, um, offense, defense, neutral zone and stuff like that. And it's like, that's the basics. You can change it. Funny thing is, Charlie had a meeting with his coach yesterday and he said, uh, jokingly, he goes, hey, I changed our whole D zone because of uh, your dad's podcast. <laughs> 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 but but you can play with that kind of stuff but like the basics are the basics i wouldn't get too ca caught up in 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 how yeah. much the game's changed because really the, the the as the saying goes the more it changes the more it stays the same yeah. you know like what like you you want to play fast as fast as you can you want to be a hard puck moving team you want to if there's if there's an element of uh physicality you want to be able to use that to your advantage it's getting shots on net and then it's when you when you try to think too much it's just it's sometimes it's just too much yeah. you know simple simplify sorry sorry i'm going to just say one thing here it's like a lot of people in youth hockey are are trying to design these power plays that are so uh in, the, in, the, in like mirroring kind of a nhl power plays like that, that's not 
even possible. Well, it might be somewhat possible depending on your skill level, but it's not necessary. Yeah, you don't need that. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of times it's just like get some traffic in front of the net, get some shots, and then back check hard if you if you lose the puck. It's like it's it's really not that hard. So and now and a guy that played it a little bit, you should have a fairly good base of how the game is played. And if you don't, or if if you feel like you're um, running out of uh, information or you need more, then then just watch some hockey, listen to some like some great in between period intermission stuff that where they go over some stuff, or you go on YouTube and you could look at a coaching clinic or pieces of it and just get some ideas, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Just to give them like something more concrete, what do you think about? Um, doing coaching clinics or courses or like coaching certifications or even uh, like if if this would be assuming he wants to coach at a higher level maybe being depending how much time you have being an assistant coach for like a higher level team or like something where you're around someone that like putting yourself into a bigger pond so to speak what do you kind of think about those things whether it's the clinics or certifications or that situation I I think obviously it's good because there's information right obviously but a lot of the like this is just the, this is just I'm being real. I like to be real. <laughs> I think that's why people enjoy listening to us. It's like yes, you can go to the high end coaching clinics, but a lot of the times you have let's say Bruce Bruce Boudreau coming in, an NHL coach for a long period of time, explaining their power play or their D zone or whatever, and and it's like way beyond. It's it's information you don't need. So it's good to have the information, but it's like you're they're talking to a different language to a lot of different people. So you might go to a coach's clinic and think that you're getting information from the best people and you are but it might not be appropriate that's number one number two is a lot of coaches clinics just like any type of seminar a lot of the times there's a lot of time filler stuff a lot of stuff that is just like just to say we had a full day of stuff and it could be exhausting so but but having said that if you can go to I, that's why like that's why i have ne- i never have a problem with reading a book even though it might not be the greatest book i might get one or two things it might be like something like that. So if you if you can go somewhere and you're trying to get, try, if you can get one thing out of something, or two things out of something that is applicable to to what you're doing, then it was worth it, right? So I think that's the coaches clinics and stuff like that are good, but don't expect to be a game changer. I think a lot of the times your your best information is um, going to people that are in sort of your realm of coaching. Because they're rele- it's more relevant. So, like f- to talk to uh, a, an NHL coach or a, a college coach, they're going to be very smart and they could probably dumb it down, but they might not understand the the intricacies of. Yeah, maybe they lost touch. Right. They don't. They can't relate it anymore. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes going to a maybe a major midget or a, uh, that's a different wrong word now U sixteen or U fifteen U fourteen coach that has been coaching in a system for you know, five, six, seven years might be a lot more, um, uh, what's my word? Um, useful, appropriate, appropriate, appropriate mm-hmm. for what you're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Cause I think I th- the, the thing about the coaching clinic, cause this, we were just talking about this the other day, even, even possibly doing one because I think it would be helpful. Sometimes it's nice, just like going to school. Sometimes it's nice to just have someone lay it out for you. You know, so it's hard to because I know this just from because being self-taught and most of the things that I know that have to do with training and hockey and whatever. It's hard to like get through the shit to figure out what is real information and what isn't that can be hard. So if you don't have a really good. I'm not saying that I'm the best critical thinker ever, but if you don't have that kind of brain where you are like analyzing and you can say, okay, does this make sense? Ask questions. Why, 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 why? 
and then figure out what's good and what's not. If you don't have that or you just don't want to do it, then sometimes it's good to find someone that just kind of uh, feeds it to you. And you don't have to put you don't have to worry about putting it in a sequence that makes sense. Like someone does that work for you. And that's where I think that can be useful. But I think more than anything, like you're, you're saying, is find a find a mentor, find someone that um, or even just a, a group or like a community of people that you can bounce ideas off of for what's going on that's useful to you. I think that's where you get where you learn the most is from those kinds of things. Like you can read a book as much as you want, but until you actually do things in practice and if you're talking to someone who's do who has done it or is doing it in practice then you're getting real real advice from someone that's done the thing in addition to you know however you decide to supplement that if it's a course or or get a certification or whatever so well and if you look at uh like again just being honest about you know the hockey canada stuff like some of it is good but a lot of it's just like that's what they do and they charge money for yeah. it and it's just yeah, it's a money maker. It's, it's a it's a money yeah. maker. USA. I, I I was a speaker at one of them, at the USA ones, and and there was a couple things that were okay, but it was like okay, you know, you, you put in twelve hours on the weekend to get certified, and it's like the information was not worth twelve hours. Yeah, right. You maybe right. had three hours of decent information. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next question. How much should coaches control or influence their players' training away from the rink? For example, telling them to shoot pucks, assigning video for them to watch, etc. I really like this question. I, I, I really like question. it too. Yeah, I really like it too. How much? Should, well, I think the, the the key word is influence. Um, shoving it down people's throats is not the way to do it. Yeah, I think influence. like c- control and influence are two different words. Right? Yes. So yes. that's an important thing yes. to point out. So I mean, I always I always look at coaching like being a dad. Right. It's like it is. <laughs> well, it is. It is. It's. 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 It really is. Yeah. So, when you shove things down your kid's throat, they don't want it, right? Like eat your vegetables. Be- why? Because I said so. Take your hat off at the table. Why? You know, I. I don't care about that, by the way. <laughs> but like, but that's a question, right? Like, you know, sometimes we will go to places and say hey, you have to take your hat off, and like, my question is why? Like, and I'm not being disrespectful. My question yeah, is, you don't even wear a hat, <laughs> right? But, but 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 like, why does it bother everybody, or what's the deal with that? And it's like because you're because it's rude. And I'm like, well, why is it rude? I don't know. So that when you're talking to a kid, that's what they're saying too. It's like, okay, I'll take my hat off. Like, why? You know. So I think it's important that you, if that's a thing, explaining why the thing is but anyways it's about being it's like parenting so i think it's the way you say it and 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 for me it's it's building that culture sort of thing and and explaining that you know finding out kids and players why why they're playing hockey where they want to go with it what they what dreams and goals they have with uh, pursuing hockey because you can get on someone's case about watch did you watch a video did you do this did you do that but if they're only committed to showing up to games and that's all they care about like you're you're beating a dead horse right now right you're you're, you're playing pool with uh with a rope not a freaking pool cue right so it's like you can't motivate and you can't you can't uh you're you're, you're imposing a, a dream and and um on, on a kid whereas if you find out where they're at with where they want where they want to go with uh, the hockey and, and how much they're willing to do then y- you can nudge them into doing more right so it's like are you shooting pucks this is why you're going to shoot pucks if you shoot you know uh, half an hour of pucks every single day like think of how your shot's going to be 
later on in life. If you do some video, you're going to learn a little bit about hockey. If you do your yoga, you're going to be more going to be mobile, and and you're probably going to be less injured. And you're going to be move. You're going to move a little bit more freer. All those things are good things, but it doesn't matter to a guy that doesn't want to do it. For the kid that wants to impress the coach and want and has big dreams and goals, then those things are like music to his ears. So it's like, oh, that, you're speaking my language, and I'm going to do that. I want to make you happy. I want to. I want to be an all-star player. I want to be a play in the NHL, and that's what the NHL guys do. And that's where they're, they're going to be more receptive to hearing that kind of stuff. So um, I think it's important that you always lay those things out, but to have expectations that every kid's going to do it is probably not going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to throw a book re- recommendation out there. You know which one I'm going to say? No. Dale Carnegie. Oh yeah, fantastic. How to how to win friends and influence people? Yeah, it's a good book. So it's written in like fourteen twenty seven. Yeah, it's super old. Yeah, but it's like, and it's a really easy read because it's all about this kind of stuff. Is like with a in a non manipulative way. How do you get people like on your side or to do what you want them to do or in the in the best way, not in the worst, right? And so it's a really easy read because it just gives you like some strategies for this kind of thing. It's like, if you're trying to get buy-in, it's like, here's some ways that could work. That doesn't mean they will, they will, but like, here's some ways to increase your chances. And here's some things that definitely won't work, you know? And that's, that's kind of applicable in this situation. Cause whether it's another coach, another player or talking to parents or whatever, you want to know some of these things to get buy-in to what you're trying to do. But one, so that's a good book I would re- recommend. I'll put a little picture of it um, on here. What I've learned, really valuable lesson of just a few years ago from training, and you, I'm sure you've learned it way before, before, the, um, before this, but like ultimately you can't control the decisions that kids are going to make, ultimately. For a short period of time, you can force kids to do things because they think you're the boss and that there's major consequences and whatever. So you can, you can play that card if you want to, but ultimately you don't have the control. So all you can do is try to point them in the direction that you think is right. But then you just have to, you have to be okay with leaving them to make their own choices. You just have to, because not every kid, even though they all say they want to be hockey players, not every kid wants to be a hockey player. Well, as you're speaking about this, we just said this earlier in the summer, how I, I, I look at guys that are this close. I'm talking a little bit of consistency um, of, of doing something to, and they will sign an NHL contract and they've been told that, right? There's a team literally telling a kid, I hate using the word literally, by the way, uh, uh, telling a player uh, that's 18, 19 years old that, yes, you came to camp. We really like you. We want to see this, this, and this, or we, you know, you might have to get in a little bit better, better shape or a little bit stronger. And if you do these things, you're going to sign and they go, okay, that's what I got to do. And then, if next weekend they come home instead of looking at the next four weeks or whatever and saying, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm going to sign an NHL contract and they come home and life gets in the way or the dream, that, that, that thing that I always say, that dream is just not big enough to overcome an obstacle. And that obstacle could just simply be, hey, you want to go golfing? Yeah. You want to go to the cottage? You want to go yeah. to the cottage? You want to go golfing? You want to go... Um, skip the workout, like finding reasons not to do the thing you have to do. So if you're talking to, a, a, and NHL players do it a lot too. It's like, ah, I just, I'm not doing it today or whatever. So that's, that's if, if you're talking about a mature adult or getting to be a mature adult with the, 
this close to signing an NHL contract to make money, like which is the hardest thing to do in in hockey to make one dollar as a hockey player is is extremely difficult. If those people can't get motivated, then and they have a maturity about them, then the expectation of a twelve year old to do that, I mean, right. wow, right? Yeah. I mean, because they can't even put their brain on straight. Yeah. Yeah, if they if you can put your brain on, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good. That's good. Um, next question. Okay, what are your general thoughts on parent coaching? You touched on this in previous segments, but it'd be great to get a more clear picture of the pros and cons for any given level. That's a good question. Okay, I like it. Um, I you know, parent coaches definitely get a kick in the ass all the time. It's like it's it, everyone assumes that they're only there for their own kid. And, and many, many times, that's the truth. But the, the bottom line is, is especially in the youth levels, you have to have parent yeah, coaches coach. or else you won't have any coaches. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that if we, we can, as organizations, if we can do a better job of vetting out who's there for the right reasons, which that might not even be possible, um, then that would be better. Um, preferably someone with a little bit of background, but like when you're, when we're talking eight year olds or whatever, it's like, it's not critical. Okay. Sorry to, I'm going to cut you off. Cause sure. does it even matter? Like, let's say the guy's not there for the right reason. It's like, what's the wrong reason when you're eight? You know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I want to get my eight year old to be the best eight year old. It's like, does that actually matter? So I, I don't yeah, know, I unless know. it's, unless I don't like using the word toxic, but unless it's like a toxic person yeah. where they're just a bad person, yeah. even if they're a terrible coach when they're eight it's like is this like a make or break well thing? so this like, is this is a hard thing to answer yeah for everybody right yeah because yeah, sure. people have different views right so if we if we sit here and say so i have my views and you have yours and some other dad has another one and some people say oh no at eight years old they need coaches that are teaching them the game teaching them everything properly and all that stuff and it's critical to having a great eight-year-old coach Whereas my belief would be you're not really learning hockey at that age. You're just playing. And, and it, uh, to your point, does it matter how much hockey you're teaching? Because I see it on a daily basis. Like when people get to junior level, it's like the hockey that they learned for the most part. And then there are t- definitely tons of exceptions of, you know, ex NHLers or ex super coaches coaching youth hockey that the coaching was great. Um, but the, the reality is, is when you get to the junior pro levels or in college levels, it's the whole different systems. It's, it's not the hockey that you were growing up with. It's, it's a, it's a lot different. It's, um, so yeah. So being a parent coach, being young, it doesn't matter to me, to me, to me. I, I want to specify that it doesn't matter to me. Um, because you know, for the most part, there's three lines on a team, not four. So you can't really, I mean, there are guys out there, but you can't really bench someone. There's only three, three lines. Yeah. So I mean, you like, unless I mean? you're a so, bad person, right. it's like if it's just Joe right. dad that knows nothing and he wears jeans on the ice. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter, man. Right. For the most part. Yeah. For the most part. You know, unless your kid part. doesn't like it, right? If the kid isn't having fun or doesn't like it or whatever, then you can make a change. But it's like, how, how serious do you need to be when you're, you're eight? Then what about if you get a little bit, if we get a little bit older now? And it's uh, like it's pretty straightforward if if uh, the kid or the parent is obviously preferentially giving their kid that doesn't deserve it because this is the other part too, right? Like sometimes sometimes the 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 parents 
the parent coach's son or the player is actually one of the best players. So, so like if, if that kid is one of the best players, you can't just be pissed off at the parent coach because their kid plays a lot. It's like, yeah, but he's actually one of the best players, you know, it's particularly older ages when like winning starts to be more of a factor. You know, so what, yeah. like, what do you what do you think about that kind of situation? Well, well, it's like like the best example I could use is me and my kid. Like, I I re- very very reluctantly coached him in U um, ten and U nine, I think it was, uh, and that was from the parents saying, "Please, please, please." And now I have some background in hockey, so it was appropriate. But for me, I didn't, and, and so I don't know if the answer is this: it's the pros and cons because you can make a pro or con out of anything, in my opinion. So for me, I'm just saying me, um, I could have been, like, I don't know if there would have been a better coach at the, for him. Although, when he got to Bantam, uh, Matt, that was coaching him, was, was the perfect coach for that group of kids. Not, And I'm not saying for my son, I'm saying for that group of kids. And my and it was good for my kids. So anyways, my point of this is when I was when I reluctantly coached my kid, it was very good for them because I, like I've said in podcasts and I've told you several times is that I, I asked them because it wasn't a very good hockey club. They were just local players. Um, do you guys want to learn hockey or are we just here to have fun? And I meant that question because I'll be appropriate to what you guys would like. And they wanted to learn some hockey. So I mixed in like a lot, a lot of fun, a little bit of teaching and taught them how to play hockey. So it was good for the time. I knew after that that for my own son, I think I thought that it would be better for my son to experience um, someone else, whether it was good or bad. I didn't care what the coach was like. Yeah, it didn't matter to me. So when he was 11 years old, it was horrible. Like, the, like if I look at the coaching itself, it was absolutely horrible for two or three years. So did I freak out and want to be a coach? No, because that's life. You know what I mean? That's life. So if I went in there and and always just tried to take care of my kid, like number one, that's all I would ever talk about with him. Then if I was his coach, we'd we'd get in the car, we'd talk about hockey. We'd I'd be thinking about the team because that's my nature is to help the team all the time. So our relationship would only be hockey, and that's not what I wanted. Number two or three or a hundred, whatever number we're at, is. I wanted my son to not be able to come to me and suggest anything about the team. Do you know what I mean? Like, like dad, if this happened, yeah, you, true. you know, yeah. And, oh, him talking, but I wanted him to have a coach like him because they liked him right? as a person, yeah, as a player, a yeah. as a leader, or I wanted someone to dislike him because he was a good player or he had flaws in his game or flaws in his personality. And I wanted him to deal with that. And he did. So, like, for example, the first year that um, that he moved, like, I only coached him for two years, so it doesn't matter. But the, the years before, it was horrible, but they were nice people, and he liked them. He was a little kid. So after that, he was getting ser- really serious about hockey, and it, it was horrible. And the first one, it was like, no, we're playing. Everyone gets the same, and it doesn't matter. And it was like he couldn't figure it out. And he always he thought this guy was a weird dude. Like, what the, what's wrong with this guy? It's like, yeah, deal with it because that's what's going to happen. And you don't know, right? If you're coaching your son all the time, then he doesn't get to experience anything negative or positive or, or something on his own merit. Or getting, like you said, if you're one of the best players, it's like it will always come back as, well, yeah, it's because your dad's the coach. 
So I just wanted to get rid of that stuff. And, and for me, it was the right thing to do because, um, you're going to get that, right? You're going to get the negative and positive because, yeah, you just because. Yeah. so I just wanted my son and I would suggest that to people is let someone else give, um, an opinion of your son instead of yourself. And, and, and a lot of times you try to protect your kids from, from you shield them from that hurt or that, um, uh, ice time, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, you, let them learn it. Let them, let them, let feel, them feel it. A bit. it. Yeah. But, but uh, so I said all that, like, don't coach your kid. But then if I would have coached my son, it would have been very good for him as well. No, this for was going to be my, my, my follow up before I moved to the next one was just going to be maybe if you can finish on, if you are the coach that has the kid on the team, are you, cause you've like this guy said, we touched on it a bit before, but what, how do you balance the, your kid versus other kids? And let's assume your kid is actually good, right? Because if, if they're not that good, it's obvious. It's like, you can't give them preferential treatment and give them stuff they don't deserve. Like those are easy. But if your kid's actually one of the better players, you know, it's like, if your kid is actually the leader on the team, if he's actually the captain, whatever that means, if he's actually one of those kind of guys, how do you balance that now if you're dad? You know? Yeah, well, f- from my experience, it's your, your kid gets screwed because I was aware of that. It's like if I, if I was to put my kid, which I did at times because he was good, uh, if I put him in a, in a really tight game to get that extra ice to get a goal or to defend or whatever – then it was like, oh yeah, of course he's giving his kid ice. Or but so I was always feeling like, ah, oh, God, I, I I can't do this right now. And I I, I shortchanged my son when I was coaching him because I wasn't able to actually coach him because I was not worried about everybody else. But I wanted everybody else to get it. And if I spent extra time with him, the appearance of oh yeah, he's here for his son was in the back of my mind. And I don't think you ever get rid of that unless you don't care. And and but I did. And I'm not saying I cared. And that's better. Because sometimes if you just don't care and you just do your thing, that might be better too. But um, yeah, so if your kid's good, it's like, it, I deal with that today. You've heard this how many times? The only reason my son got drafted was because of me. Wow. The only reason that he's playing somewhere is because of me. It's like I have the connections to get him signed and be an effective player in the OHL because of me. It's like, that's ridiculous. You know, now I, w- I will say that that's a very fortunate situation for my son to be in, to be born into a hockey world where he's around people and has connections and hears things that most kids don't hear until they're uh, 25 years old. Right. right? That's an advantage for sure. Um, But the kid has to do the work, not the dad. So I can talk and like, but think about how crazy that is. Like, do you think I can call uh, Montreal Canadians right now and say, Hey guys, my, son's really good or i got friends all over it's just my son's there. you gotta watch my son it's like yeah we did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know Seriously. shut up yeah you know there's, we did. And, and if you could influence anything there is only so much you can influence but again a lot of people wouldn't even believe this but you know this uh i don't do that i i have it's it's his job to to do because i know how hard this is and if you make anything easy er the process if you try to make the process easier then you're only hurting your son yeah well and i i one extreme example i'm not gonna use any names but that i can think of is dad that's like absolutely crazy influence for his kid and he's got some money yeah and the kid still so hit so that the influence would be i want my kid to be in the nhl and the influence actually got the kid yep. f- pretty far yep. but now he still has to make the jump yeah, to 
play at yeah. the NHL level. Yeah. It's like that doesn't that make it doesn't for make you. it for no. you, right? You so it open up. You could, hey, you could open up some opportunities if you yeah. really wanted. And that's the most extreme example. Yeah, like that's the most extreme example yeah. where you're willing to toss around hun- tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. maybe yeah. more. Yeah, who knows? To get some opportunities, or, or and maybe the kid was good enough to get a few of those on his own or whatever. So it's not even necessarily that. The, that behavior is the reason he got to where he is because maybe the kid actually is good enough too. But it's like at a certain point it comes out. It's like there's a line that you'll always run up against. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you know. So that that's that's funny. And even uh, even as a trainer, I do the same thing because there's some. It's it's funny we we talked about optics the other uh, few episodes ago about like you're a coach with parent friends, but the optics with your kid. Do you think that that's a little bit different than? the optics we talked about before where we were saying, you know, you got to be aware of your friendships and how that looks on the team. Whereas now if we're talking, we're talking about, you know, with my kid on the team, you, it sounds like you were more aware of the optics of that. So you were harder on your kid than, than you would have been. So maybe what about the kind of the difference between that? Cause even as a trainer, like I do that with Charlie particularly because everyone knows, like I've been with Charlie since he was a little boy. So I have the best relationship with him. And even I'm sure Charlie would even say like, I'm a pain in his ass all the time. Right. Like I won't give the guy a compliment to his very, very rare. I'll say great job, even though he's one of our best guys, you know, so I very rarely will give the kid a compliment to his face on purpose because I know that even if he deserves it, number one, I just want to be harder on him because he's actually in a position where he needs to have somebody on him. But more than that, it's just I don't need the 25 other guys looking to be like, this guy gets all the special. I know. Shit see, and like, just, right? that's just the way. So, it so but is that right? Is my question like, is that right? Like, should I, if he deserves, if he, you're the coach on I the know team, what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like, if he deserves to be that, do you just let him? And the optics don't matter. Like, you can be aware of the optics, but do you not act on that? Like, as a coach, because I'm sure when you coached Charlie when he was young, it's like you let, still put him in the dominant positions when it was called for. Yep. You know, like you yeah. didn't limit or you're no, not, no, no, you're not no. trying to screw them just because of the optics. Yeah, right? exactly. So you're being, you're aware of it, but you're not, you're still giving them what they deserve for sure to a degree. Yeah. You know? You're just aware of it. That's all. Yeah. 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 And then I think the conversation piece of it too, it's like, you know, you say, I'm going to make an example out of you to the kids because if I don't do it to you, then whatever. But if I, if I do it to you, then at least we can talk about it after. And like, I can make sure you understand like what's going on and those kinds of things, you know? Yeah. That dynamic of, of the favorite guys or whatever, like it's, it's a weird thing because like, you know, there are like just taking me out of the equation. Like, so when you have the fitness groups in here or whatever, there are guys that you, you know, that you have to compliment because they're, 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 they're sensitive or whatever. But then there's guys that you're going to gravitate to because maybe it's just the personality. So you got a kid that has a good personality that could come in with a good mood that has some zip to him that you're not trying to pull it out of him. He has the good posture, the good energy. So you like him automatically. And then the work ethics there, he's good to other people. So you spend time to him talking and they might ask you questions and like other guys can look at it and say, well, that's his favorite guy. It's like, well, yeah, because he's like, I'm not saying he's our favorite, but it's just like, that's, he's got everything you want in a player. Yeah, there's a handful or of guys a, like that or yeah. a athlete or a person that, that just, uh, makes, makes everything better. So of course he's going to get attention and he, he, you know, it's like, it's not a vanilla guy, right? It's like same in hockey, right? You look at a player, it's like a vanilla guy doesn't get the attention as a, as a guy that actually does something right. That does something 
um, I don't know what the word I'm looking yeah. for is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the optics of it still, it's the same as we said before. It's like, who cares? It's like, the kid, give the kid what they deserve. You can be aware of it, but it's the spe- the special treatment shit. You have to make sure that it's not, that's not there. So, um, can you do a segment discussing lines a bit more? So like first line, second line, third line. How can you make lines successful or get buy-in when kids for the most part know the first line, second line, third line dynamic? How can the third line players be motivated if they know or when they know that the first line players are better quotes? So um, we talked a little bit about this in one of the episodes. I forget which one. Um, yeah, it was a few weeks ago. Yeah. So so from we were talking about it more at the parents. Like just because your kid's not on the first line doesn't mean they're not the one of the top three players. Like it's not always the top three players are the first line. But if you're uh, a third line, if we focus on the third line guys, like normally, if we're being honest, on the on a team, if you're the third line guys, you're the weaker players, more or less. Even in AAA, as you get a little bit older, at least, right? So, so as the coach, what's the what's the what's the teaching you can do there for your players, or what's the message you can give those players to make them feel like I'm not I'm I'm not worse, but I mean, like they are though. So it's like, what is what's the message that you give the players there? I I don't know if the, I don't know if it has to be like spilled out and make everybody feel like everyone's on the first line that's that's not what it is it is i I think when we do anything we know talent when we see it we see hard work when we when we we notice hard work when we see it we we know who can do things without anybody explaining it i mean if you're if you're a a true third line guy that just simply means that you're replaceable that's just obvious to me but as a coach as we're talking coaching is it's the more upfront and more um, open you are and the more that you can have a conversation especially in youth hockey but i would even say that later and like junior and stuff the more that you can explain positioning or your your rank on the team and it's not rank it's more your role the more that you can do that uh the better so i have never had a problem explaining to guys that you know they're you know these guys can score goals you struggle with it but you here's here's what you're going to do to be successful um i have never had a problem with that but do you sorry do you explicitly point out that maybe not in these exact words but like you're just not as good as these guys like it doesn't have to be in those words but like the kid knows the kids kids know but you yeah i wouldn't use those words but i would just say like you know, do you more just like focus on the, their strengths and like yeah, just 100%. center it on that? And yeah, like if 100%. you want to be successful, this is what you need to do. Yeah, hundred percent. Instead of like contrasting them or comparing them to the other guys. Yeah, like like yes and no. I mean, yes and no. Uh, you've got guys that that are just like great skaters, smart, score, put pucks in the net, and make plays and back check, and they do everything right. Everyone knows that. So I like I I don't have to. You don't have to lay that out. And I, I don't. I guess I, I guess my point is you don't necessarily address it. There's like I've never used first line, second line, third line. Anyways, these are lines, and those lines are interchangeable. And and like from a coach's perspective, and and being very frank about it, is you're looking for chemistry. Like I said in that podcast, just because you have three guys that are the best forwards on your team doesn't necessarily mean that that makes it a first line, because there might not be chemistry, because they might not be able to play with each other. So having a mixture of um and and sometimes that is the th- best chemistry is the top three guys but having um 
you know, so a, a bottom like you're if you got nine forwards on a on a three line team, it, it doesn't mean that you can't have a, a left winger or a, a centerman not playing with a top guy. Because if his role's there, it's like what's the difference? Right? But no matter how you do it, everyone knows who the better players are for the most part. If you don't, then you're just you're being blunt. Yeah. Right? So, um sorry, I think side question to this then yeah. would be just as the coach, did you set things up on your team where it, without calling it first line, second line, third line, did you kind of rank it like this is the best line, this is the second best line, this is the third best line, or did you try to like balance three lines? I, I feel try, like those I, are two I, different philosophies. Different, at, at different times, different things. Yeah. Um, some games I wanted to, like, of course, you know, listen, you you are going to try to get, like, if you're about winning, you are trying to get your best lines. If you can get your best players to play together, then if you have a decent team and you, those guys, yeah, are, yeah those guys are going to probably get you most of your goals. So if it works, that's great. So then you could have your scoring line, right? right? Then if you have a, a, the other guys that are like kind of just good players, that could be your, you know, your second line. And then you could have your third line guys and you give them a role of just don't get scored on more or less. And you kind of like a lot of people say that just like your goal is to get it out and you know, to get goals, but like, here's your, here's your role. Is to make the other team's life miserable, right? It's uh, I would do that, but then if that, so you try to get that one line that can just roll and be a threat. But if it's it's like we could, you could always try something else, or you could say, you know what, I this guy is looking pretty good. Let's or this guy might work better here, and you mix it up and you have like more of a chemistry thing going on for three lines it, it depends on what you want out of your team mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, yeah for sure so it's it's like a loaded question and you can like so it's a philosophy have, yeah because if you have a really weak player you can kind of hide that guy if you put him on yeah. the first line yeah for, and, and, an and you can give him like like you know uh johnny johnny is going to be first on the puck every time we know that and he's a uh, maybe okay so let's say he's the worst guy on the team but he's a good four checker right and, and good hard worker but he has no brain well, he's first on the puck no matter where we are on the ice. Okay, fine. Just get the puck, do your job, encourage him to do it, and then maybe the other guys take care of the rest because they have the brains and the skill, right? You know, it's just it's 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 a thing that I don't like to tell people how they should do it because everyone has different ways. Um, but I don't I don't think naming lines is a good thing. But people can figure it out. Like let's just it is what it is. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. is what it is. Cool. Um, next one. You mentioned that sometimes your best player isn't a team player. Uh, what if the coach doesn't bother to address it? Are they there for a shitty coach, or are there circumstances where this is justified? That's just, a hard question. Just, just say it again because I want to make sure I get the question. So we we did a segment, or in one of the episodes again, because I remember the clip because I thought it was a good point. Is that sometimes coaches struggle disciplining or keeping kids accountable because sometimes that kid is their best player. So if the kid's a pain in the ass, not a good team player, but he's just their best player, sometimes that kid can get away with a lot more because you kind of need that guy or you feel like you need that guy to get your goals. So this question is, um, if the coach doesn't address that kind of behavior, does that make them a bad coach? Or are there certain situations where you do let it go as the coach because you need the guy or something? There are certain situations where you let it go. Um, we have a guy that I've trained that plays in the OHL that does absolutely nothing, but he can put points up, right? He's lazy, 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 lazy. He will do not one thing um, that takes effort. If he can take a shift without taking a stride, he will. But 
he can put himself in situations to make plays and puts himself in the right spot to score goals. And basically, I was talking to the, one of the um, management, and we'll call it management of the team, and they said, "Yeah, we just know what we're getting from him, and you know the coaches do." And it's like, just let him be. But then there's times where they just said, "We can't do this anymore," or when the games are in situations where it's like you need hardworking guys, he doesn't see ice, right? So that's that. So that's at a high level. I think as a coach, you're you're not doing yourself, your team, and the player any justice by just letting it go. I, it's, it goes back to being a parent again, right? If your kid is take hockey out of the equation, and the kid your kid is uh, getting seventy fives to eighties in school, and he's taking hard classes, but he does zero homework and all that stuff. Those habits is like you, you're getting by by talent. And what's going to happen to you later, son, is if you don't understand how to do the work and, and push yourself, then all the talent in the world is going to equal nothing. Or you'll get by, but you won't be as successful as you would like to be. So I think it's very, very important that you don't give, you know, it's not like you have to give them shit all the time, but it's about bringing the best out of them and explaining to them. And, 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 and these guys are hard because they just sometimes just don't get it, don't want to get it. But you have to do your job as a coach to let them know. Because, so let's just say you have that kid that can just do whatever he wants and he doesn't pick up pucks. You blow the whistle to talk to the kids and he's not looking at you and he shoots a puck and the attitude sucks, but he's just really good. Okay, fine. If you if you don't address those things and talk to him properly, what's going to happen at some point? He's he's going to hear it. So I would rather lay that out for him. If I was coaching him for three years, five years, two years, whatever, I want him to hear that before. It doesn't have to be negative. It just could be simply, you know, you pull him aside or center him out, whatever, and say, "What's going to happen is one day talent, your your attitude is going to overshadow your talent," or they get to the OHL or college and then it gets addressed there. You don't want that to be the first time they hear it. You want, you want to be the dad that has told them over and over and over. So that at some point it's like, Oh, okay. I've heard this before. And you may, they may never do anything about it, but you've done your job. Right. And then, and because every now and then you'll get a kid that it clicks one day and they go, Oh yeah, I got to be a hard worker too. Cause now guys are catching up or they just get it. Yeah. So I just think it's really important that communication piece, that honesty piece, you know, that, that, you know, Eric, you're, you're a good player to a degree, but you, you God, you piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it. And, That's and, important. and I can tell you right now, if you want to move on in hockey, that, that attitude is going to bite you in the ass. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to take a few minutes to explain it to you. And you're going to hear it over and over and over until I see a change. You may never see it, but he's heard it and you've done the right thing. That's, yeah. that's the way I look at it. Sweet. I have a 10 year old son that's been att- attending the same company camps for a few years. He likes it, but I feel like there are there may be better options out there. The camp seems to be good quality, but I think some experimenting with other camps might be worth a try at this point. How would you go about vetting whether or not another camp is worth it at this age? So, 10-year-old kid, been going to the same camps kind of thing for a few years. Kid likes it, and he, dad seems like, or mom, whoever wrote this, seems like it's quality, but he wants to experiment with other companies other trainers etc yeah so what's your what's your vetting process yeah it's an interesting one um first of all go try anything you want (laughs) 
what is what is quality? What is good? That's the that's the main question. And how important is it is to be good? I could tell you this, um, because we just recently had a younger group, and we were we were teaching or we're doing drills that were just they were very good drills for them for that age. It wasn't over their head or anything. And a lot of the questions were, when are we playing a game? When are we doing this? When are we doing that? Was the main thing. So I just I did a thing. Um, I don't like to use the thing, a race, a relay race, but it was similar to that where it was like a couple skill things in there that was hidden and it had to be done for time. So two teams against each other and they had to back check back hard and all that stuff. And when we did that, they, that's, they, they loved it. They, that's what they wanted to do. So all the stuff that I was quality work that I was doing was over their head. They, they liked it. Like, I, I'm not saying it this way. I got to say it this way. They loved it. They the parents were saying, "Oh man, they're they're loving it. It's so much fun," and I'm like, "Okay, that's great, good." Because for for me, it's actually hard to judge if if a ten or eleven year old is, is if I'm doing a good job for them because it's like it's I'm not teaching quite as much. I'm just giving them the 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 basics and the repetition and and a little bit of correction. Um, but I don't know if that's fun for them or not. But they loved it. But anyways, they loved playing the game. So when I look at that question, a ten year old likes he seems to like the camp it's like he likes the camp probably because he's just on the ice doing whatever he doesn't necessarily know i'm not saying your kid's stupid <laughs> i'm just saying he but doesn't necessarily, young, necessarily yeah. doesn't necessarily know that this is a good camp he might be having fun but if you went to, across the street to the other guy that's doing a camp maybe the exact same or completely different he might say oh yeah this is fun so the answer to that question is yeah go and try some things if you like because it's not going to it's not going to hurt them either way, whether it's just skating, stick handling, small area games, whatever. Um, but definitely go try things. And then from a parent's point of view, look at it and just see if they're getting anything out of it from the instructors. Like, are they actually teaching them anything? Because it's very easy, as I said several times, is to work them really hard or to keep them really, really busy on the ice, but there's zero quality to it. And then having said that, at 10 years old, just being around the puck is probably in, in skating and doing like different agility stuff and all that stuff is, is good for them anyways. So the quality of it isn't necessarily um, the quality of the t teaching isn't necessarily the most important thing. So, and, and, and I would say this, like when someone's 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, like it's less important that you're teaching the details because they don't really care. Yeah. They don't. They don't yeah, really they don't. care. Right. They just want the puck and shoot. And when you're talking to them, you can see it. They're like, their attention is 30, 13 seconds long. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a number. But, but if so, so just in terms of like the trying other camps part of it, have you noticed like for, for PowerTech as an example, have you noticed the, um, like wor people's word of mouth is a good data point to take in about People's can, camps can be and can't be. Yeah, right. Like it's yeah. not really like that clear. I was wondering because I'm wondering like because I know a lot of people because we have like a little referral box when people sign up for our camps, and a lot of times people just say like someone told me or whatever, um, which is a, a way to hear about it, but it's not necessarily an indicator of quality. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't just rely on that. Um, but, but I think it, it I think I, it's important that you know what you're looking for. To your point. Like what does quality, how do you define quality at that that's age appropriate for that, for those kids, you know? So whether it's you, you, you stick with the same person you've been going to, or you go to a new one, 
it's like does a kid enjoy what he's doing and if he's on the ice to your point probably he'll have fun um but are they getting the reps and the touches and is there like some semblance of teaching for that age when they're that young you know what i mean i think that's kind of the way to to look for it yeah 100 percent. yeah you could take referrals like that's this cut my own head off here but there's several times people would say to me like this is a great camp and i go it's just a camp it's this was this one was not great but maybe it's because it was high energy or they don't know they don't know the difference or this is the best camp they've seen that's that's a possibility it's when they get a little bit older where you're teaching things so like a lot of those people that came from out of town remember they were just like this is off the charts good because like my son's never learned that he'd never been shown that how to shoot how to protect all these different things it's like okay that's that's when you start to get the teaching and and uh you get kids that are receptive to it because they're close to the age where they're going to be moving on and it's important now right because like like it's so funny right like if you do if you do the same drills as to a 15 year old as you do to a 10 year old, it, it can't be like, well, no, it can be, but the drills are probably not that good. So like if I'm working with a defenseman who's 10, as opposed to a defenseman at 15, well, I can teach that 15 year old or 14 year old how to walk the line, probably how to keep their head up and circumstances of why they're doing it. Right. And then when they shoot a puck, it's like the puck is got some velocity to it. It's not a knuckleball to the top of the circles or right. It's a, it's a shot that they've got strength and they got skill. And so like you can tweak those things. So a 10 year old might have a decent shot. Typically it's not great. Like obviously the 10. Dude, they're just trying to hit the cross. They're trying to get, yeah, they're <laughs> trying to get, the, but they're, they're not really caring about the details of why would I walk the line? Why would I have my eyes up? Why, what am I looking for? I just want to get the shot off. Like, so yeah. those details are, are irrelevant almost. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that's where the difference as they're getting older and they're, they're good players that are into it. That's where you can do the teaching and it becomes now that's a good camp. So for me, the short, sto- short story long is, uh, is there's less details in the teaching when they're young because there's there's the attention span and the and the, the desire to understand the game at that point it's just about getting reps so uh, you could go to 10 different camps and they're all going to be probably pretty good i think yeah right right um this is an interesting question our area has two triple a teams that aren't very good they're consistently in the bottom rankings of their league while the state-bound double-A teams are ranking much what does higher. state-bound mean? I, I'm, I'm assuming that's like I, in the U.S. of A, in their state. Yeah, it, yeah. But I don't know what, I don't know what yeah, that okay, means. I don't know what that means. Um, double-A teams are ranking much higher in the state. Would it make more sense to go with a double-A team? Or does the status of triple-A make more of a difference to this player? So Is there an age? There's not an age. So that's, the first, that's where I was going to start with it. They don't point out what age we're talking about. Um, but we could play both sides. We could talk younger than older. So the the fact that this is a question for the States, to me, isn't really relevant. It's more just like, is the AA versus AAA label important? And when is it important? Unless unless there's a different dynamic with AA to AAA in the States, which I wouldn't know. But. Yeah, there's a, there's, I, I found there's a, there's a big difference when I was in the States. In the level of play? Yeah. So it'd be similar to here then. Yeah, I would say that uh, AAA, like, you, it, it, again... Uh, Anyways, from what I saw in Michigan was that you can, there's no real boundaries unless that's changed. So you can have a pretty good double A team or, or they call them travel as well. So 
But that'd be the same a, as here, though. Like, not not the boundaries thing, but like you can yeah. have a really when the kids are young, double A teams are can be pretty good. But then once you're, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, it's hard yeah. to find a double A team that's actually really good. Yeah, unless you know? they 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 start picking from right. different places. So yeah, here's the thing: the AAA is important, especially as you get older, to play at a good level, and if you have a desire of moving on, like a hundred percent, like you'd rather play AAA if you can, um, even if the team sucks. Well, yeah, that's okay. Who cares? Like, you actually ha- kind of have to be at the AAA level at a certain point if you d- want to move on. Yeah, like, there's like, not many AA sixteen-year-olds that are going on, kind of thing. They're, right. It's 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 more rare. Yeah, for sure. But like, I think the most important thing is that if you if if your son has talent and it works hard and wants to move, like, has a a goal of something, then getting to the AAA level would be important at 13 for sure you know maybe 12 13 years old um and and the more important thing about it is because there are guys that go double a or travel there's exceptions and they go to high school like especially in the in the united states of america is they have a lot of different options like high school sports is a big thing it's an important thing so it's you know they have a lot of wiggle room to develop right um so i would say i forget what i was saying you're saying the kids that are playing, uh, oh, double A young jumping it, no, at twelve, I got it. thirteen. So what's what's more important is your environment. So it's just a commitment level, right? So you see, I see it like just locally, the kids that get to play or are talented enough to play or whatever the thing is to get to the AAA level. There's more of a commitment and there's a more desire to typically to to play to be more committed as a hockey player. Whereas a lot of the kids in just the lower level travel is like, they play hockey cause they like hockey, but it's not something that they're eating and eat, breathe and sleep hockey. Right. Whereas more of the triple A's you, you have that environment where the kids are like all about hockey or mostly about hockey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so to sum up <laughs> the label kind of matters at at some point some point yeah right um okay i coach i coached u13 double a and i have that same team this year uh one kid was a particular issue for us but he's a good player he doesn't seem receptive to instruction poor work ethic and very little compete if i want to have a better collective mindset on our team does it make sense to cut the kid and take a player with a lower skill level that's That's a that's that's a a good question no it's a good question i had one the other day someone asked me that Oh, similar kind of question. Yeah, very not the same, but fairly similar. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, with the the one that I had, he said the player's a nightmare, mm. is what he said. And um, he, he was the coach was fairly negative, like not being he was a bad person. He was he was like it's just see it, in the text it was like like yeah. what do I do? Is it even though he's a good player, should I could I cut him? Like should I cut him? And my answer is like if. That person is distra- like, here's the thing, coaching a player that every single time or mostly every single time they come in with a bad attitude or they don't listen or they're disruptive or they don't compete. It's just frustrating, man. It's just frustrating. And, and you just, it grates on your last nerve, but it's not typically good for the team. So if you have, I'm a, I'm a, I, this is just me. I'm a firm believer that if you can't be a good teammate and you, you can't be, um, get along in a group or whatever. Uh, I actually don't want you on my team for me. So I would say that 
there's a point where talent, yeah, talent isn't the only thing for me. I'd rather have good kids. I'd rather have kids that want to work and, and I'd rather give an opportunity to someone that has a desire to get better than someone that wants to just be on his own page and be a pain in the ass. And, and you know what, whatever, I think it's a good life lesson for the kid too. It's like, until you figure this out, you have no place on my team. Well, and it makes it hard to do your job as the coach. Yeah. Because it's like, so the other kids suffer and it wastes your time. Like it makes you hard. It makes it hard to coach. And like maybe people that are teachers would know this. If you have the pain in the ass kid in the classroom, it's like, I'm trying to teach the times tables, man. Can you just shut up? You know? And it's makes it really difficult. And if everyone else takes a hit for it. Yeah. My word, my word that I use is disrespectful. You know, when you, when you, when a teacher's talking to you or a coach is talking to you, there really should be no distractions. You should be, if you have respect for your coach or you have respect for your teammates or you have self-respect is understanding that this person's in charge, given their time or they're in charge of you or whatever, you need to listen to the words and pay attention and do as said, you know, you can question things. That's fine. But, um, it's it's a very important thing, and it's like you said, it'll just ruin everything for everybody. And the the tone of like underneath, I could be reading this wrong, but the tone of it, it's kind of sounds like they've tried. Yeah, well, you okay, know what I mean? and, and that's, that's the other point. Yeah, well, like, and that's you you tried to teach the kid, and yes, he's just not. Yes, that's and that's what thing, we were right? saying earlier is like some maybe the kid has never heard it. That's why you always have the conversation. And say, okay, this Eric, get, come here for a second. Here's what's pissing me off, or this is, I, I can't have this. You have to do that. You have to individually coach the kid. Obviously, this in this situation, it sounds like he has several times. Maybe it was done incorrectly or without maybe, you know, like just telling him what to do. But having an honest conversation and maybe the warning or the whatever you want to call it, um, let them know where your head's at. And then if they can't deal with that, then so be it. Like I've had, I've got some kids, you know, a couple drafted that, I don't want them on my ice. I don't because, you know, I'll show the simplest drill or and they're looking somewhere else because they already know everything. Like just that alone. Are you, t are you kidding me? You, you, you want to move on in hockey. Your parents just paid for this. You're out here and you're too smart to, you're already too smart for me. And then we do the drill and you did it wrong. You go, well, what am I supposed to do here? It's like, well, I explained it for 30 or a minute and a half. And everybody said, yeah, but you were looking somewhere else. So I don't have time. You figure it out now. I don't have time for you, man. Yeah. Their caveat on that is obviously like you have to have tried to help the kid. That's like number one. So uh, this is a uh, interesting question as well. Good questions, guys. Jeez. Uh, with the age of checking being older. So pause on that. When I was when I played, it was checking right away. Now it's minor Bantam U14, I think is the first year. I just heard that they're trying to move it up another Again? year. Really? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. So anyways, with the age of checking being older, do you have any resources on how to teach this properly? Or what would you do with a first year hitting team in terms of practicing or preparing for it? Good question. Good question. And probably most people won't like my answer. I'll like it. <laughs> I know I'll like it. Yeah. Go ahead. It's funny to me because like, yeah, as you said, uh, this is a big argument, right? They should uh, take it out of hockey um until they whatever you don't need to hit that much anymore uh should you do it younger should you do it older like it's a it's a big time question so i've never played a hockey game without hitting i started organized hockey when i was four and when i played we had plastic helmets and just the mouth guard to cover our teeth uh so we didn't have a face mask either no so i, I actually had a couple cuts on my face when i was four um things have changed obviously and 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 maybe it's good maybe it's bad but 
the part that I don't like, and I know this rubs some people the wrong way, the part that I don't like about not having contact in hockey, this is just my opinion, is that when I when I see people getting their first year of body checking, I see kids, like now it's like at, at 13, you have some kids that have hit puberty and their testosterone's high and they can't wait. Like they actually, I want to kill someone. I can't wait to hammer someone, right? And that's okay. That's, it's, it's hockey. Like it's, it's like in boxing. If you took away, we, we don't actually connect with punches until they're 16. It's like, well, you're not really boxing. And I'm not saying you're not really playing hockey, but it's, it changes the game. So now you got a puberty guy and a late bloomer guy. It could be 60 pound difference. And, and it, it is and like now there's hitting first now time it's like, it. yeah. yeah, for the first time, it's like it, it can be not. Yeah. Scary might be the word for some. Yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely more of a challenge. Yeah. When now there's such a gap. Yeah. With some kids, you know? Yeah. Having said that. I the, to the question now is like, do you have anything to prepare them or practice? It's like you can. I mean, it's I think it's important to teach them. Um, how to protect yourself when you are on the boards. But to me, those aren't the worst hits. So that's why I'm always like, from a young age, when I teach kids, it's about having your head up. Like, and, and I know it sounds like, well, no, of course your head's up. No, but actually working with your eyes, ears open, seeing, like understanding, scanning the ice so you can see the flow of the game um, and, and putting yourself in positions like like because if your head is up the game slows down for you You see things happening whereas you look down and look up you could be coming at me as hard as you can it's like now the time time is going too fast and you you know you you have to react or you don't see it coming so anyways um so yes you can teach kids how to roll off of checks how to you know i always taught the kids that i play with is if you don't have the puck or you make a play get your stick up right away so that if someone runs in you to run into the stick right so th- those are little things that I, I taught. Um, teach them how to roll, how to absorb hits, keep them tight to the boards if you are on the boards. Uh, those are things that you can teach. But in my opinion, or from what I would believe 100% for me, is that teaching hitting, teaching the aggressive part of like doing the hitting or taking the hits, I believe that it's you have that or you don't. Right? This is this is what I've seen. This is what I this true. is what I this is what I have seen is that there's some kids that would take because they go to these hitting clinic or body checking clinics we'll call them, and as although some of it's good, um, the end of the day, kids that are brave will take hits or put themselves in positions to be in those those dirty areas we'll call it, and the aggressive kids will finish hits, and there's some kids that will just never do it. Or, or, or shy away from it or scared from it. So I think a lot of the times from a safety and, and, and the other thing is, is, ah, man, it's, it's hard for me to say this sometimes in public, but um, some guys are just going to get hammered because they're, they, they don't have the brain for hockey. Yeah, no, 100%, man. Their heads there, down. And the there's skill. some kids that yeah. just constantly get hammered. Yeah. It's so, like they're doing something wrong. 100%. You know? Like yeah. really good players don't get hit that often. There are times, there are times because you're maybe taking a hit to make a play, but that's a, you have to do your job. Um, or some guys comes at just real dirty, that stuff's going to happen. But I, I just find some kids that just never put themselves in that situation. And the kids that get hit and typically like they get, get blown up a lot of the times they bobble pucks. 
So it's like, that's a skill. It's more of a skill thing, right? So if you're taking a a pass and you're playing against bigger guys, then if you have to look down and you're bobbling a puck, that gives a guy time to hit you. So like this, from the skill standpoint, the less you bobble the puck, the less you're going to get hit. Um, The more your head is up, the more you're aware you are. So you can put yourself in better situations. But for me, teaching, you could, you could spend a lot of time on the hitting clinics and it will not change. You'll still see one, two, three that will go out and hit and will take hits. And you'll see those kids that they don't want any part of it. And no matter how many clinics you do or, or teaching you do, it will, it doesn't change. I've just seen that over and over. Um, yeah, well, I, go I, ahead. Yeah, you I go. got a couple of things. One, I do think to a degree, like some kids can learn it but it's very rare it's very rare we're like and i'm not talking about like the ultra aggressive like i was one of those kids with that i wasn't a big like finish your hits guy when i was young but i and i never grew into like a hyper aggressive like super into the physicality it was more just like i did it when i needed to do it because that's the, part, part of the, of the job game, finish this yeah check. right part of the finish game, this check. The hit. but i was never like an open ice blow a guy up like that never i never did that once i don't think um so I think it, to a degree it can be taught enough where you're useful in the game. Um, but in terms of the actual like techniques of checking, like how to check properly, I've, I, don't, I never did a hitting clinic. So I, like, I don't know how they teach it, but there's so many different ways that you can do it to hit. And like, I don't know how necessary it is to, aside from just showing them the basic body positions on how to do it, um, I don't know how much time necessarily you need to spend on it as the coach. Like you don't need to spend multiple practice times, like no, going I, over the, I, I, I just like, you know, kind of simple, like in, in, as an athlete, you're always going to be in a good, powerful balanced position. If you're in an athletic position, you know, a little bit of a hip hinge, you know, your skating stance, right? You're low. Like as if you're going to do a squat or you're playing baseball, you're in that ready position sort of thing. If you're in that position, most of the times you're going to be more balanced, more stable, more strong. Right. It's when you, when you, you know, you were at a game uh, uh, in the OHL one, one game where one guy made a pass and then NHL draft pick made a pass and he stood straight up and one of the kids just blew him up. And then and people were going, Whoa, this is, no, you got to keep your head up, man. That's like, this is an NHL draft pick that just ignored the fact that this is a contact game and he got hit hard. He was fine, but he got hit hard. Right. Um, yeah. So like, uh, that's what I'm saying. So you could take a lot of the hitting things and you just apply or the contact thing and apply it into your sports, right? Like you're doing a, a drill in the corner. It's like little things like that. It's like, you don't have to, you don't have to hit to necessarily be physical, right? Some guys that's an advantage. So if you learn how to take angles and to cut the guy's hands off, not with a machete, <laughs> but like if you're, if you're angling off, you're doing angling drills where you're forcing guys to the outside or where you want them to go. If you can get in front of their hands, that's a form of checking. So it doesn't have to be thundering body checks. It can be just the physicality or angling and taking away time and space I, from someone and separating from the puck. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to point out because for some of those more tentative kids, I think the thought of body checking when you go into your first year is the booming body check like kids may like they're just not aware that it doesn't have to be that because they think body checking means like oh now i'm gonna get crushed every time i touch the puck but if you can explain it from a coaching perspective if you can explain it to them after those like little technique things or their hitting clinic or whatever just like guys i know there's hitting but that doesn't mean that we have to 
be running around blow, trying to blow guys up. And that can go for the kid that's tentative or the kid that's too overzealous <laughs> <laughs> about throwing the big hit. Yeah. You know, because you get those kids, like you said, where they're like, I just want to smash guys. But yeah. now they're running around everywhere. Yeah. And they're actually just like not being effective. Well, so it can go either way, right? A smart player will welcome that. Yeah. Because, you know, a, a smart player, a, a kid that can figure it out. But, but that's, that's, that's not a, te- a lot of times a teachable thing. Like a lot of the times. So like if I'm playing and I see a guy coming running at me hard, that's I had no problem with that. I'll just tighten up to the boards, hold on to the puck a little bit. He's coming at me and trying to kill me. I know he's... It sticks off the ice and I'll wait and I, I, I've already got my play made and I'll wait to that last little bit where I'll even might even take the hit and then I'll slide it through his feet. So he tried to hit me. I'll hit him while he's hitting me or I'll absorb it. The play's made. He thought he did a great job, but now it's a two on one or I've set this guy up for a goal and it's like, okay, keep doing that. I'll take that. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, exactly. but I, I think I, maybe we got away from the thing. It's like, you can teach it fine. Um, I, I, I would say, Teaching the kids or showing them the ways to absorb hits on the boards is what I think a lot of people are looking at. Is there's there's techniques for that? It's like teaching how to roll, right? How to roll up, you know, make a play or whatever, roll off the board so that you're spinning off a check, or getting your stick up, not up in the face, but if you have to, you have to. But keeping your uh, um, your your stick uh maybe across their yeah, in a defensive across position, their yeah. triceps or whatever shoulders just a quick jab so that when they they think twice about hitting you again uh things like that i think it's good to teach them the safety but i think a lot of that just comes from having like uh your head up in a skill level that yeah. where you can make plays and you see it coming right yeah. does that make sense yeah for sure and i think i think the most important thing about it is like don't forget it, after the technique stuff is teaching them what the hitting is for it's like you're trying to separate guys from pucks you're trying to make space you're trying to like why do we do hitting why is it in the yeah. game that's yeah. an important thing too so um, just one second though okay yeah okay i just wanted to make sure i got the question yep. i didn't miss anything uh last one here i have this is a this is a what's the word this is a spicy question okay i have a young player that loves playing the game he plays with his normal AAA team during the season, then spring and summer summer tournaments twice a month for no other reason than he loves playing. Recently, we run into a coach who's funneling uh, the players to more private sessions. I love hockey and all, but it's getting to be a bit much. How do you deal with this type of situation when you don't want to go to the extras? Have you noticed this affecting players and their future when a coach forces them to, or feels like they're forcing them to do the extra stuff? Yeah, this is the one that I always spicy deal one. with. Wow, yeah. it is and it isn't. Yeah, like, yeah no, I, it, yeah, it's spicy. It's, yeah. it's uh, okay. Um, I said it just recently, like, you're not going to tell me what to do. That's that's the bottom well, line. Let's, let's start with the last part. Okay. Have you noticed this affect players and their future? There's the, because like, that's kind of what you're saying. How so, future, that's my question. Like, ultimately, no. is it going to affect the career of a kid if you say no? no even if the coach says, okay, like, F you, yeah. then you're not playing or yeah. whatever. Even if someone's that much of an asshole. Yeah. But ultimately, does it, have you seen it affect no. the kid's future as no. a hockey player? No. Okay, there's one. Now you can answer. What's the question? <laughs> so, <laughs> just put it in a nutshell. Yeah, it's, it's getting to be a bit much. Like, how do you resist or get away from doing the extras when you're feeling the pressure? Like, this coach is funneling you to do the extra skate now yeah. uh, so, in addition so, to the spring shit oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, again, it comes down, we've, we've said this several times. It's like, you, as a coach, you, uh, if you're my coach, you're my coach. That's fine. What is my schedule? My schedule is three practices a week and my games. Okay, great. 
um, you need me to do fitness before practice and all that stuff, that's fine. Within that, I'll do anything I'm supposed to do, right? That's fine. It's all good. Um, you, you start making me or suggesting that I need to go to your private camps or your private clinics or your extras. Um, now you're bugging me and, and I don't have to do that and nor will I, I will not do it. Um, I've done that with my kids and, uh, I would, I wouldn't change that. And if someone says that they can, they, they, they'll have an effect on your hockey, won't play this, that, the other thing, that's fine. Then just don't play them. That's fine. I don't really, I don't really care. Um, that's the, my argument with people that coach hockey and have businesses on the side. It's, it's just, I'm not here to make you wealthy. You want to coach coach. If you, if you, uh, want to run clinics, do that separately, but I don't like the threat of it. I don't like anything about that. I, I think it's actually disgusting, uh, because a lot of people are using, a, uh, it's a, a very subtle bullying tactic to take people's money and, um, not for me, not for me, but the end of the day it will not make a difference like if my son was to get cut or not get to play on that team i'd be actually happy about it i will play somewhere else um if my son was so now we got different levels right if my son's just not good enough then it really you're not going to ruin his career he's ruining it himself because he's not very good um if my son's good you're not going to ruin it because he's good <laughs> so the, the, these people really don't have an effect even though they might tell you that and might try to bully you or i hate using that word but or might try uh pushing buttons to, to make it say like we can ruin well then you know what get away from me if you're even talking like this it's just stupidity to me so um i can honestly say you know someone was asking my kid the other day what uh you know one of the rink guys was saying because he has a, has a son he said like what did you do like i'm watching all these kids do this extra stuff and what did you do and charlie said Not, nothing did with my training here when i when i could i sometimes my i was on vacation or whatever when i was a kid and nothing he goes you learn hockey when you're older he goes it's not gonna make a difference but we're not here to make people wealthy it's an expensive sport already man and and, and i i just it, it makes me want to puke in my mouth when a coach is having side skates and people are there because they feel like oh man they, i don't want him to be mad at me don't be mad at me you'd be mad at him he's telling to beat it man like, and, and kids do feel like that man like we've had We've had like even recently, like we've had kids where they're like, "Yeah, like I'm getting, I'm catching heat because I'm not going to this extra stuff that my coach is running." And it's like, dude, like why, like why are you making kids feel like that? And, and it's like out of nowhere, like you have an overnight tent business of hockey clinics. When it's like you, you, you're not a, you're not a skills coach, man. You're, and it's hard to see that at the time because I remember very, very clearly, like my parents were not in the hockey world at all. And most parents aren't in the hockey world at all. So you hear the names that are like in AAA organizations or in your sport organization that are always around. So they seem like an important name. Like I can, I could list five right off the hop here of guys that I remember that were like an important person in bunny years that they really would inf have an influence or really be good for the kids or really this or really that. Only like three years out of AAA to realize like I didn't know anything. Like I was an idiot, you know? And it's really hard to see at the time because you just hear what people are saying. And if you're not experienced in the sport, you can't tell. It's hard to vet whether or not someone's actually good at what they're doing. You know, I clearly, clearly remember this person. Oh, if they coach, like we got to try to get this guy as a coach. We got to try to get this guy as a coach. It's like, that guy's not a good coach. He's not a good coach at all. Why? Like, so what is the buzz about? So I, I can't, I sympathize with, with parents that are in this situation because you feel like, 
your your hockey world is still only your small triple a loop or triple a organization and the teams that surround it like you can't see outside of that yet you know but i can assure you from experience being through it you're saying the same thing i'm saying it's like these these people that they're they're not real hockey people they don't actually influence your life in any way if the kid's good he's going to be good and it doesn't matter what one guy says because even if even if that guy's an ohl coach there's still 19 other teams that have a coach that could like your kid you know, so it's like even if you, somebody has a personal vendetta against you, there's still way more more options out there. You don't need the one person. You know what I mean? No, you don't. So, no, you just got to be a good hockey player. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, the bottom line. It's the bottom line. Yeah, it's a, no one, no one's gonna make it or break it for you. You make it yourself. Yeah. And um, I, I, but that that's that part of this hockey thing is just it, it makes me sick. There, there's some coaches that do it out of thinking that they're doing something good for their kids, right? Like, and that that's I don't want to say everybody's just trying to take money. There's some some coaches that they probably don't make a nickel on it, or maybe there's a few bucks that they do some summer skates, thinking that oh, I'm going to keep the kids skating and doing practice once a week, and then they're like, well, how come not, no one's here or we're missing guys? It's like because it's July 27th, they're at the cottage, they're playing baseball, they're playing soccer, they got a lacrosse tournament. It's like let hockey be hockey, but I mean, some people have good intentions, and this, it's funny. Because so on that note, though, I want to yeah. touch on that too, because I'm thinking of myself as a, if I was to coach a AAA team. I think I would be of that mindset. Like, hey, I actually think I'm a good coach for you guys. And so if you guys want to, or I'm going to run a camp like through the summer, but I would make it like very explicitly clear, like highlight red, talk to the people on the phone about it and be like, if you can't come, if you can't afford it, if you don't want to, you don't have to come. Like you don't need to come. I don't need you to come. I'm offering it to people that want to do it because if I'm that person that also runs a hockey school, it's like, I would make it so clear that there's no pressure for you to do this at all. And you don't need to come that it would hopefully mitigate as much of that dynamic as possible. But I know that the people don't, most people don't really do that. Um, but if I was in that p- position, that's what I would try to do is like, you want, you don't want to make people feel like they have to spend money or whatever. Cause I remember being in it, man, with my parents. I remember it very clear. I did that, right? Yeah. Like when I was coaching, when, when they asked me to coach in Detroit those couple of years, that was the, the caveat. I said, okay, first of all, um, whoever's funding, whoever's funding, like I had to get paid for it, right? That's That was like, like I wasn't going to quit my business to go coach free. So, and I, I was really, not, really, really not, um, I was more than reluctant to do it because... But it was a good thing for me and the kids, so it, it worked out fine. But that was the first thing I said. Whoever's paying the bills, well, I know who it was, but we talked, and I said, like, make this really clear. You're paying the bills here. Um, this does not give you a license to complain about your kid, talk about your kid. It doesn't give you one extra shift, one extra anything, because that's that would be wrong. He goes, 100% no, and he was 100% good about it he just wanted to have a, a have us coaching he could afford it no problem and uh paid me for it and he was like right out of the way really good guy never had to do one thing for his kid when i took the team that was the first thing i said to the team i said you guys all know what i do for a living i said i'm your i'm your coach right now so the guys that have skated with me because that's where i got to know them is they were they, they came and did skills with me and that's what I said to them. I said, the first thing that you need to know is that, like, yeah, you know what I do for a living, but that does not mean in any way, shape, or form that when you see that I have a camp, that you have to be there. 
if you if you think that at all you're absolutely wrong i said if if there's ones that are appropriate for you and you feel like you really want to go or you want to go it, it that's fine but it won't change ice time it won't change how i think of you and if you don't go it won't change ice time i won't think it won't change how i think of you it has nothing to do with this team so if I, there's no offense taken and it's not a suggestion that i coach that you come to my camps and then there was a few people that did because they were already customers couple couple went to one here and there and some went to none and it did, and, and i was honest to right, right right to a t on this thing because it's the right thing to do i don't want to sound like i'm the perfect person that walked on water but i i, I strongly strongly believe in that because i really could have had clinics anytime i wanted i could have been making off of these people and they could have hated me or liked me or whatever maybe they were would have been uh indifferent about it or whatever but i could have just abused that for as long as i wanted but that, that to me it was just not the right thing to do yeah uh i think that's a good one to stop we did all 10 so i don't want to do any more um so that's wraps up this series so we'll be on to something new next week um like I said at the start, if you guys want to be involved with the Q&A stuff or um, start with a membership where you guys can talk with us and do those consults, this is a great time to do it because hockey season's starting in a few weeks and it's really nice to have a resource. I think about like for my parents and it's cheap on purpose. That's the other thing, right? It's, te- it's 10 bucks a month, man. So it's like, it's a resource that you can use whenever you want for $10 a month. It's awesome. So we d- designed it that way on purpose so that you, it's accessible so that you can use it, you know? So uh, if you want to do that, do it because this is the time where things start to happen and it's good to have somebody that you can talk with. So uh, thanks to all you guys that uh, wrote in questions. I, I know I didn't get to all of them, um, but at least we have a bank of them so we can pull them out again later if we uh, come back to some of these topics, etc. cetera. So uh, that's all. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? I do, but... Do you? What do you got? I just, okay, I was going to say at the beginning and then we got to this. Uh, last thing I was going to say, I'm, I'm revisiting Marc Messier's book. It's really good. I think any hockey player, young guys might not know who Marc Messier is. <laughs> but he, I, I, I had my doubts, not my doubts, I, I didn't know, you know, a lot of times people get labeled things because they just get labeled, but he was considered one of the biggest, best leaders in uh, hockey. Um, and reading his book, it's like he really, he really does show how humble he is and how, um, how much of a leader he is. There's so many gems in there. So if you're looking for a hockey book, I think it would be really good for uh, parents and kids to see it because there's. it's not like it talks about leadership all the time, but just when he speaks and he goes through scenarios, there's some really good principles and you can see how humble he is. So I, I would really highly suggest that. Um, so it's Mark Messier, No One Wins Alone. Yeah, really, really good book. And then Charlie bought a book uh, a couple of weeks ago, so I just delved into it. It's called uh, How Champions Think. It's another one I would, uh, this is going to be, you have to be a little bit older, like 16 and up. Really, really good. And uh, and um, it's, uh, what I like about these things, like for me too, because I've read so many of these, but going into it just for the sports side of things, it's really good because it's all the things we touch on that we just take for, for granted. Yeah, uh, little things like visualization, but he, the guy explains these things uh, in, explains them in good terms or you can, like paints a nice picture for you. And uh, all that stuff. So I'm really enjoying that book. So that one's called How by Bob Rotella. It's called How Champions Think. Really, Champions really Think. interesting book. So How Champions Think, Mark Messier book, and the Dale Carnegie. Yeah, there you go. So there's three to finish off the episode. And the reason I like to suggest books like this is because we always talk about, um, when people talk about training, it's always the, 
physical side, right? And and people, we say this all the time, what, per, what percent of the game or life is mental? And people have different numbers, but uh, it's a huge part. People don't tap into it enough. And Mark Messier talks about this in his book about how the mental side like would open his eyes one day and uh, energy and all this stuff. So really good. I think people need to spend a little bit of time doing some reading. Um, and I'm not talking about reading a book a minute talking about taking 10 minutes a day five minutes a day reading a book it's going to do wonders for you like absolute wonders if you can just get in the head of people that are successful or learning things about visualization or learning things about being present and seeing examples of professionals that that use these techniques because it's a it's a game changer for a lot of people it could just simply be your confidence like whatever it is i think these books are great so um i always suggest taking time to read even though it might not be the coolest thing to do. It's cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, good thing to finish on there. So uh, on to something new next week. See you guys.